there's different types of leaders and the type of leader I was, I wasn't going to be the rah-rah guy. I wasn't going to stand up in front of the team and give this magnificent speech. But what I was going to do, and what I was always drilled to do just from growing up where I grew up and the way my dad raised me, like I was going to go out there and I was going to work harder than anybody. And I was going to be relentless with whatever I did. And, uh, you know, I, I think guys see that. Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood presented by Twin Spires. Our next guest is a former Pro Bowl NFL linebacker for the Carolina Panthers and current director of player personnel for the Buffalo Bills, and that's Dan Morgan. Dan was a first-round draft pick to the Panthers in 2001, going 11th overall. He was an absolute beast on the field, made obvious by the fact that he set an NFL record for tackles in a Super Bowl in his second year in the NFL, and he had 25 tackles in that game. Dan was the only player in college football history to win the Buckus Award, the Bronco Nagurski Award, and the Chuck Bednarik Award in the same season. Injuries forced Dan to have to retire early from the NFL after seven seasons, and you will be impacted by his words about his transition out of the NFL. You will learn leadership lessons from a guy who was the youngest captain in history for the Miami Hurricanes. Also, I will touch on the Buffalo Bills since I always have to inquire about my favorite team when I have one of the top guys involved in building their team on the podcast. Please take time to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And also follow along on the Instagram account, Eric Wood Podcast, because there's going to be some great giveaways coming that I surely don't want you to miss out on. Enjoy this impactful and inspiring episode with Dan Morgan. Dan, welcome to the show. Appreciate your time, brother. Thanks for having me. For sure. Let's start all the way at the beginning with you. Let's talk about your journey in sports. Where did you grow up and what sports did you play growing up? Uh, so I grew up uh, right outside of Philadelphia. It's a little town called Clifton Heights. Uh, just kind of blue collar, hard work in town. Uh, mainly grew up playing football. I started playing football when I was six years old. Um, played a little bit of baseball, but just kind of baseball was a little too slow for me. Um, so I just decided that like, Hey, I'm just going to go football full time. That's what I really enjoyed doing. And, you know, that's really what I did. I didn't play too many sports, uh, you know, just growing up football was football was my main, my main love. Yeah. I'm with you on baseball being a little too slow. I, I held on to the basketball dream for a little while, but I, I'm with you on baseball. It was like, if I wasn't pitching or catching, there was not nearly enough action. And then even when you're waiting to your turn to bat, that, that didn't do well for a, an ADD kid. Uh, on my, but you go down to Miami and you end up being the first freshman linebacker to start down there since Ray Lewis. Pretty great company there. But what allowed you to transition from high school into college so well that you were able to hop in the starting lineup so early? Um, you know, it's weird because, you know, I was a running back my whole life and, you know, barely played any linebacker. And when they moved me to linebacker my true freshman season, like I had played like a little bit of linebacker, but it wasn't something that like I didn't know what any coverages were. I was just out there playing off of pure, pure instincts, basically. So I think, you know, going back to your question, like I think it was just I was always a really instinctual football player, and I think that helped me translate quickly from the offensive side to the defensive side. And, uh, you know, next thing I know, I'm starting 
you know, fourth game of my freshman year. So crazy how things happen. It is crazy, especially at a program like the U with the defensive tradition they had, and, and you guys were rolling at that time. So for you to be able to switch positions, and I only played one year of offensive line prior to getting to the NFL. I never played center, so then when they switched me to center, I had no bad habits. Do you feel like coming from the offensive side of the ball over to linebacker, you were kind of like a sponge that they could simply teach you and you just didn't have to break any habits? That, that might have helped out as well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, just being so raw at the position, uh, Randy Shannon, uh, who was the defensive coordinator at UCF, and now he's, uh, he, you know, he's kind of in the middle of jobs right now, but he just helped me so much. Like, I just absorbed, like, every little thing that he that he taught me, and, you know, I just got better and better and better, you know, as my career, you know, going into my sophomore, junior, just each year I got better and better, and then, you know, it came to my senior year to where I had, you know, my best year of college yet. Yeah, another interesting tidbit from your college career, and we mentioned the rich tradition that Miami has as a program. You were the first sophomore to ever be named captain. And so you start four games into your true freshman year, and then that following season, heading into the season, you're named a captain. What leadership qualities did you have at such a young age that they made you the first sophomore in program history to be named captain? Um, you know, I really think it came down to, you know, and I think there's different types of leaders and the type of leader I was, I wasn't going to be the rah-rah guy. I wasn't going to stand up in front of the team and give this magnificent speech. But what I was going to do and what I was always drilled to do just from growing up where I grew up and the way my dad raised me, like I was going to go out there and I was going to work harder than anybody. And I was going to be relentless with whatever I did. And, uh, you know, I, th I think guys see that. Guys see the, you know, the effort that you're putting in in the weight room, um, in the classroom, you know, in school. Um, and then obviously out on the practice field, just going 110 miles an hour every play, not dogging it to the ball. And I just think guys respected me for that and obviously better me captain. Yeah, anytime you're you're one of those guys that stands out with your work ethic, you're going to earn a voice, and it may not be an audible voice in a pregame speech. I was never as gifted as Kyle Williams is given those big-time pregame yep. speeches to where I deferred to him 100% of the time. Yep, same uh, but, but I But I had different skill sets as well, and if, I, and if I needed to, I've always kind of had the gift of gab. I always thought when I gave those pregame speeches, though, and Fred Jackson's roasted me on this a couple times, like – I get so into it and I get so worried about it probably because I'm a people pleaser by nature that I want it to sound good and all that, that I, that I feel like I'm just way worried about too much of the wrong things prior to a game, especially when you're a center, a middle linebacker, whatever it may be, and you're yeah. trying to get everyone coordinated in a game and then you're worried about this locker room speech. This will probably offend all the yep. linemen out there, but it's a lot easier for a defensive tackle to just go out and blow and go every single play off the ball as a three tech and maybe give the pregame speech that maybe when you got to, coordinate an offense but uh that's probably simplifying things a little too much but <laughs> you end up having a hall of fame college career number 11 draft pick to the carolina panthers so you're a first round draft pick and then you go in and hit the ground running as a rookie in the nfl and, and besides your hard work that you already mentioned what advice would you have for those transitioning into the nfl now i know you see these guys year in and year out with your current right. job now what what advice would you have for those guys 
you know, I think uh, obviously come in and, you know, you got to work your ass off. I mean, this is a grown man's game. You're coming in here to take grown men's jobs mm. and they're not going to let that, let that job go lightly. You know, they got families to feed. Um, but what I would say too is, you know, you got to come in here humble. Um, you come in here humble. You've got a bunch of vets who have proved a lot more than what you've proved throughout your career, um, through your short career. I mean, you're just coming in as a rookie. So best thing to do is shut your mouth, um, find a really good veteran um, that is doing things the right way, that's working his ass off, uh, taking care of his body, you know, film prep, um, you know, out on the field, just you, you can see those guys right away. They stand out like a sore thumb in the locker room. So, you know, first thing I would do as a young guy is come in and find that guy. Ask people, like, you know, who's the guy around here? You know, who's who's staying healthy? Who's the smartest out on the field? And, and, and find what makes those guys tick. And then, you know, implement that into what you do every day. Um, I, I just think that's the biggest thing, man, is just following those veterans that have just been there, done that, and, you know, are able to do it at a high level. Yeah, it's no coincidence that Lorenzo Alexander, Luke Keekley, a number of the guys that I've had on the podcast that have recently transitioned out had the exact same things to say when transitioning into the NFL. Who was? Did you have a guy in particular when you got into the NFL that you saw as your mentor early on? You know, I would say, like – I didn't – so I was on a – when I got drafted in 2001 to Carolina, like, it was not a good football team. Um, you know, we won our first game of the year, and then we lost 15 straight. We went 1-15. Wow. Uh, George Seifert, that was his last year of coaching there. Um, it wasn't a great culture, and I felt like nobody really did – nobody really took me under their wing. Um, you know, just kind of showed me the ropes, per se. Um, I didn't have somebody to just kind of put their arm around me and be like, hey, here's how you do things. But who did show me was um, Sam Mills. He was my mm -hmm. linebacker coach. So I was really fortunate to have him um, just kind of mentor me, just kind of be there, you know, be there for me. You know, during the week, we used to go bowling together, you know, just do do a bunch of fun things together. You know, you're, you're a young kid. Uh, you just get drafted 11th overall. You have a ton of money in your pocket. Um, you know, everybody thinks you got, you know, life by the balls per se, but, you know, at the same time, it's kind of a lonely place too, because everybody thinks that you're, you know, just coming into this town and everybody, you know, wants to hang with you and be with you, but right. it's, it's kind of quite the opposite um, to where you do feel kind of alone coming into a new town. So Sam was really, you know, mentor, not just on the field, but, but really off the field. So uh, he, he's a great guy. That's great. That's great that a coach in the absence of, you know, a great culture guy in the locker room that would take you under. And that was that early 2000s is probably right before it kind of transitioned into the, the time where the vets would be a little bit nicer to the rookies coming in and really wrap your arm around them. I know that transitioned heavily throughout my career. And a lot of that is the coaching and who's running the organization as well. I, I know that's right. the case throughout the NFL, but I know towards the end of my career, there was no hazing. It was put your arm around a guy. It was, I'm going to buy him a meal before they ever buy me a meal. And that, that wasn't always the case though, in the NFL, uh, for sure. Okay. And, that, and that's great that Sam could do it. And as I was prepping for this podcast, it's amazing how many Sam Mills quotes I came 
across about Dan Morgan. It's, it's, so it's, it's great that you're able to repay him back on that compliment there as well. We'll have to figure out a way to make sure he hears that. But you end up playing seven years in the NFL in, in career, similar to a recent guest, Luke Keekley, a Carolina Panther linebacker as well, derailed career early because of injuries and you were forced to walk away from the game. How tough was it to walk away almost solely because of injuries? Right. Um, you know, I think uh, not only just walking away, but, uh, you know, I, being a former player, you know, like yourself and like Keekley, like you only know what it feels like to, you know, to get injured and, and miss games and not be there for your teammates and not be there with your teammates on the field. Um, so I would say like the most excruciating part was just the, the day to day and the, and the week to week, like I missed so many games throughout my career and you almost go into a depression mm. that I think like not a lot of people really understand. Um, it, it, it was tough, man. It was really tough, um, to go through it. Um, but you know, I think honestly it made me stronger. Um, in the long run, and, and um, you know, I, I still wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I had a, I had a great experience. Yeah, it's it's a, it's amazing. You'll grow through the most. You'll grow the most in life through the hard times, and it's it's not fun in those moments. It doesn't make them any more enjoyable. But if you can have right. that perspective, and once you do it once or twice, then you'll gain that perspective, knowing that this is callousing you for later. And I mean, I got injured my first four years in the NFL, and all I heard was that. I was a first round bust and you talk about, you know, it could yep. be isolating in a new town and yep. it's, it's also isolating being that first round draft pick that people are putting a lot of stock into and it's, it's out of your control. You're, you got guys getting rolled up on you. Like I know Joe Thomas played 11 straight years and never miss a snap, but that is so rare. Yep. You know, most guys are getting dinged up and you, you miss time and it's, it's some of it's just getting lucky. And yeah, uh, no doubt. So going back to you, what was the hardest part about the transition out of the NFL and what led you to your decision of wanting to hop into NFL front office work? Um, you know, obviously playing football our whole lives, uh, which I'm sure you did too. Like it was tough. Like the transition from being done and saying I'm done with football um, and then going into the real world per se. I mean, it's a tough, tough transition. So mine didn't go as smooth. Um, you know, I, I opened a restaurant. Um, what restaurant? Be, uh, it was a pizza place in Charlotte that I opened up. Thought it was a great idea. And honestly, I kind of jumped into it quick, quickly because I was. I was kind of scared about my future. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I had money. I, I didn't need to do that. But at the same time, I felt like I needed to do something. Right. And I, and I just rushed into it. I rushed into it and, um, you know, it was a bad decision, but at the same time, it kind of led me to where I am now. So I can't say that it was the worst decision. Right. Um, so I, it kind of made me figure out like, Hey, you know, football is what I, what I've always done. It's what I love. Um, you know, you need your little break from it. I think when you're done, but at the same time, it's what I love doing. It's what I love watching. It's what I love being around. It's part of who I am. Um, it's definitely not who I am, but it's a big part of who I am. Um, you know, and then that transition, like it just, I got a phone call 
from a scout out in Seattle who was a scout in Carolina when I was playing. Uh, his name's Trent Kirshner. And he said, uh, hey, I always thought you'd be a, be a good scout. Uh, would you have any interest in coming out and doing an internship in Seattle? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'll think about it. Um, you know, when do you need to know by? He's like, you know, just I'll give you a couple days. Just let me know. Shoot me a text or give me a call. So I actually wasn't going to get on. I actually wasn't going to do it. And my wife's like, why don't you just go try? Like, just just go see if you like it. Like, you may hate it. You can come home and you can figure it out after that. But at least just get on the plane and try. And I, I always thank her for, for saying that. And, you know, I think that's part of what a good wife does is, is obviously supports their husband and, you know, pushes their husband, you know, to be great and what she does, what she does for me. So obviously got on that plane and um, loved, loved the internship. It was only a month summer internship during training camp. And man, I loved it. And they hired me the next year and, you know, the rest is history. I'm going into my 11th year of, of scouting. So that's incredible. Crazy. First off, I want to commend you on the wife shout out, the positive wife build up. I always love when people do that on the show. You could tell a lot about the character of a man, the way he talks about his wife. And uh, we'll yeah, make sure she hears this one as well. Good, great <laughs> oh, yeah. show, but that, that's so great that she gave you that nudge. And uh, also, I want everyone to hear it, transitions in life. So many people are in transitions in life right now because of COVID. And it's you're. I'm always talking about how you, whatever's next for you can and, and will be your best, but it, it may not be right away. It, it may be the pizza shop moment. You know, for me, yeah. I had a, a year where I was just kind of hanging and, you know, entertaining business ideas similar to the pizza deal and going to other people's games and, and realized I wanted to be back around ball too and uh, ended up hopping in on the broadcast side too. But And I think guys like me, yourself, Keekly, when the game's taken away from you before you're ready, a lot of times you're going to still have that pull to be around football. And then the guys that get to exhaust it and end it on their terms, they probably have a little bit more peace with it. And that's fine. We all, we all leave in different ways and, and, and find something afterwards that fulfills you. When you look at working in an NFL front office, do you find advantages from having been a former player? And I'm not trying to get you to compare yourselves to others in the business that don't have right. that playing experience, but what, what does your playing experience give you an advantage in that field from? Yeah, I think, you know, every, everybody in the front office, um, you know, they have their strengths and they have their weaknesses. Um, you know, I think a strength of mine, obviously, is connecting with the players. Um, you know, just kind of knowing what they're going through. Um, I know what it feels like to be out there on the field. I know what it feels like to be going through an injury. Um, I know what it feels like to be a first-round draft pick coming into a new city. Um, I have a lot of those experiences that I can use to my advantage because I've been there and I know how it feels. Um, so obviously that helps me in my job, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, picking players and, uh, knowing personalities and, you know, just kind of getting to know guys and are they going to be mentally strong enough to come into a new city and, and withstand being a first round draft pick? Are they physically, you know, going to be, you know, is their body going to hold up? Is it going to be able to hold up through a long 16, sometimes 20 game season? Um, you know, and I feel like I can gauge that pretty well, just like based on my prior experiences. So um, I think it absolutely helps 
you know, being a former player and just being able to relate. And then, you know, you got a lot, you got a lot more uh, clout with the guys in the locker room, I think, too. Right. Um, they know you've been there. They know you've done that. Um, you know, they give you another type of respect, per se. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely an advantage. How has COVID affected this last year for you um, in, in your role with the Bills? Um, it's, it, it's been a weird year. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, usually I travel, I'm gone during the season. So I travel, I, I hit different schools during the week. Um, I meet the team, you know, whatever city we're playing or for home, I'll come back home. Um, but with COVID, like I, I didn't do any traveling this year. Uh, I mean, I made a few trips like this in college games, but for the most part, you know, I was in my office this uh watching tape literally just watching tape all day usually i'm on the road i'm in hotel rooms i'm watching tape i'm going into schools i'm gathering information on players uh, you know you're getting their you know physical their mental like you're talking to all types of people and this year you know you really haven't been able to do that you know you can do some of it over the phone um you know with your connections at different schools but you know, it's, it's definitely been a different year just in terms of being able to get up on the players, see them out of practice and, and, and those type of things. So I haven't been traveling as much, so there is a silver lining in terms of me not, you know, I'm able to go home, I'm able to see my kids every night, be with my wife every night. So there is advantages to it. Coming from the NFL, you leave the NFL with a certain amount of money, and it's, it's, we all have this desire to do something that fulfills us obviously this is fulfilling work for you or else you wouldn't do it because you're gone so much but I ask this because this is something that I've had to wrestle with in my own life since these last few years of transitioning out how do you balance that work family life balance when you're when you're on the road so much um you know it's great nowadays like I don't know how older scouts did it but you know, we got FaceTime. I can FaceTime my kids every morning. I can FaceTime them every night. I can talk to my wife on FaceTime every morning, every night, which I do when I'm on the road. I stay connected to them. Um, you know, it's it's definitely can be, you know, a lonely life on the road, you know, throughout the season. But, you know, I feel like I do a really good job just staying connected to, obviously, my family. And they're the most important thing. So in terms of that work, you know, work balance and, you know, your home life, um, you know, I think you just got to make it a priority. You know, if you don't make it a priority, you know, it'll get swept under the rug. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, it'll pay, you know, it won't be good in the long run. So you got to, you just got to make it a priority and, um, you know, you got to put your family first always. Absolutely. You make it a priority and, and by you being intentional every morning and night, they know they're a priority in your life and then you're not going to catch the grief that'll yep. hit you when you do walk back. Into, yeah, into exactly. You got to win a Super Bowl uh, in the front office with the Seattle Seahawks. So you know what a Super Bowl winning team looks like, how they're built. And I know they're all built in different ways, but there's probably similarities in many. When you look at this 2020 heading into 2021, uh, season Bills team, what do you feel needs to happen to get over that hump, make the Super Bowl, and ultimately win it? You know, I think uh, I think we made our first steps. You know, just with re-signing some of our own, uh, re-signing John Feliciano, Daryl Williams, 
uh, Matt Milano, like just bringing those guys back in. And, um, you know, I think obviously that's a first step. And then, you know, obviously second step is, you know, you fill in some missing, missing pieces without that bulging, um, you know, too much information on where we may go in the draft or, or this or that. But, right. you know, you just find out like where, you know, do some off season studies, like what hurt us last year, um, you know, in the big games, what were we missing? Um, why did we lose that game? Like there's all types of stuff through analytics, um, through watching the tape. Um, you can gather so much information on your team um, that obviously it gives you a ton of information and, and then you make those decisions. And, um, you know, so hopefully, hopefully we uh, get to the Super Bowl sooner and later here and, and win one and bring it back to, uh, to Buffalo. You're only six years older than me, so I don't ask this question like you're much further down the road than me. But how's your body feeling nowadays um, coming off of all those injuries throughout your career? Body feels great. Um, I would say the only thing, I dislocated my left shoulder twice, you know, had labrum surgery twice on it. So that's really the only thing that will consistently bother me. Um, other than that, I feel great, though. I feel really good. Um, other than just kind of getting older and having the muscle twinges and stuff like that, just getting to be an old man, um, I feel great. So I'm definitely fortunate when it comes to that. And now with the shoulder, you always have that built-in excuse on the golf course with Brandon being the GM and those other guys. So you're yeah. in your back pocket. Well, they know they know I can't golf, so I don't even golf with them. So <laughs> I can't swing a club. So I can't swing a club. I can't really throw a football. I actually had to, uh, funny story, I had to, I had to throw a football um, in a private workout uh, with Daryl Henderson, the running back for the, for the Rams. I went, yep. I flew down to Memphis, did a private workout. Um, we didn't have anybody, anybody there to throw. So I had to throw of all people and I got like a frozen shoulder <laughs> and I'm throwing the Daryl Williams. And so we actually got to pull it up on tape. So all the guys bust my balls over it and get a good <laughs> laugh about it. So uh, I'm not the best thrower. Let's put it that way. That's hilarious. I, I honestly, I can still swing a golf club, but my, my throwing is shot at this point. I did two, two AC sprains on that. My right arm is about three inches shorter than my left from the uh, arthritis and bone spurs and everything in my elbow from snapping tens of thousands yeah. or hundred thousands of football and then hitting people. But you know what? Yep. On a day-to-day basis, as long as I'm eating pretty clean and staying active, I don't really feel any of it. But you give me a bad weekend where I sit around and have a couple too many beers and, you know, eat like crap, then all that inflammation creeps in and you realize why uh, good, clean living is a little beneficial for us in the long run. Oh, uh, no doubt. We're going to knock out a few recurring questions and we'll get you out of here, Dan. First one, what's your favorite book? Um. I got to be honest, I'm not a huge book reader. Um, When I'm at home and I have free time from the job that I have, honestly, I'm with my family and I'm and I'm probably watching Netflix or doing something like that. But I'm not a I'm not a huge book reader. I'm not really going to pretend like I am. I respect that. What role role does your faith play in your life? Uh, Plays a big role, plays a big role. Um, Obviously, I'm imperfect, but it's definitely something um, daily that I'm you know, I'm always thinking, always thinking of God and, and my family and, and how to lead my family in the best way. And, you know, what better uh, guiding beacon than, than, uh, than God in the Bible. You're absolutely right. You could have said the Bible was your favorite book too. We would, we would have accepted. Yeah, we could do that. 
and I, and I probably don't that. read that as much as I should either. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first car? Uh, first car was a 86 Mustang. Nice. Um, so it was the one with, around PA. Yeah. No, it was down in, uh, down in Florida. So when I was 13, we moved down to Florida. So I actually grew up, went to high school down in Florida. Um, and my dad bought me like, uh, this 86 older convertible Mustang. So it was pretty, pretty sweet car. That is sweet. Who's the most famous person in your phone? Uh, I would have to say probably Dan Marino. Yeah. 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 My dad, uh, my dad was actually his bodyguard and his driver, um, pretty much growing up all through Florida from 13 on my dad, you know, was his bodyguard for like 14 years or something like that. So actually still talk to Dan all the time. So. That's pretty awesome. I've got to connect with him with uh, Jim Kelly's charity events over the years. So okay, got to hang with him, which you go to one of Jim Kelly's charity events or one of his golf tournaments, like who's who of the 90s from the pro wrestlers to the sitcom stars. And uh, and then you also got the uh, quarterback club of the 90s, which was a yep. star studded group. What's your favorite restaurant? Uh, favorite restaurant is probably probably down in uh, Florida. It's called Cafe Mortarano. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. If I could, if I could go anywhere, if it was my last meal, that's probably where I'd go. We made the mistake yeah. of going there. I say it was a mistake, but we did it twice the night before we played the dolphins and we'd wake up the next morning in that South Florida heat. Like, all right, oh, here we go. Time to roll yeah. because you got a belly. You know, they say carve up before games, which may or may not be the greatest thing for you that they're finding out now. But we would yep. go eat there, and they would just pump us full of food. But what a great group of people down there at that South yep. Florida location, too. What's your favorite wing spot in Buffalo? Uh, Barbell. Nice. Barbell, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, phenomenal wings. Yeah, it is. And, uh, man, they should be a sponsor of the show as many times as uh, we get them repped on the podcast. Really? Last one for me. The show's called What's Next with Eric Wood. What's next for Dan Morgan? Where do you, where do you see yourself heading in this industry and, and in life? Um, you know, I do, I really do take it one year at a time. Um, obviously the, the, in the end game, I want to be a general manager and, uh, be able to run my own team per se, but, um, I'm quite content and quite happy, you know, here working with, uh, you know, Brandon and Joe Shane and, um, it, we, we just got a great group of people here. So I'm just hoping to, uh, exhaust my ability here and, uh, you know, whenever that my turn is to be a GM for a team, then so be it. So I'll be ready at that time. And I know you will be, and you'll take the same things that got you to this point of your career that made you have a Hall of Fame college career, a first-round draft pick, have what is known as the most tackles in a Super Bowl game. It, it, when you look up the stats in it, it ranges everywhere from 18 to 25 tackles. Uh, yep. But but take that same work ethic, and I, and I know you'll get there, brother. And, and I can't Appreciate thank you, you enough. Uh, for your time. I know this is a busy season, but this is going to be so cool for Bills fans, football fans, sports fans in general to understand a little bit of the inner workings of the last year, dealing with COVID, heading into free agency and the draft, getting to hear from you. Uh, this will be enjoyable and impactful for so many, so I appreciate it. Anytime, bro. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. 
This episode is also brought to you by Punched Energy Chews, and these have become a favorite product of mine for energy and fitness. They use a patented formula with tons of scientific studies, and they start with pure green Arabica coffee bean caffeine. It improves your physical and mental performance, increases your metabolism, helps burn calories and body fat, and they also help boost your immunity, which is very important at this time because they're a great source of vitamin C. They're also ultra low glycemic, no spikes, no bounces, and no crashes. What you're going to do is go to punchedenergy.com, use code ericwood20 for 20% off. Give them a try. Link in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or with your followers on social media. Also, shoot us a rating and support the sponsors whose information is in the show notes. Until next time, as I tell my daughter before she leaves for school every day, spread some joy and make it the best day ever.